off internet, it's not called a penis, it's called a ding-dong. My name is Matthew Kroll. And I'm not pretty, I'm good-looking. My name is Shahir Dowd. And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film, Minari. Ah, Minari. Aren't you glad we, we, we waited to do this one and we held out off our top ten list to do this episode? Knock, knock. Who's there? Minari. Minari who? Aren't you glad we held off on our 2020 list in order to do Minari and our... <laughs> I don't understand what's happening. It's late, but that none of what you just did made any sense hey, to me other guess than what? time is folding in on itself. Shahir and audience, buckle in. I've had a day and I'm not going to make much sense. But to answer your question, I am quite happy that we are doing this film. It, 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 you know, without, you know, we're, we're already getting into it, but yeah. it kind of did blow me away a bit and it was a lovely experience. Uh, and we'll get into that a little more about the experience of actually watching this movie and how we, we get did into it, it right well. now, Matt. Come on. Well, maybe people want to know how they can talk to us and, and listen to my brain that is basically a bag of cats over Nobody at our, wants that. Nobody our wants Twitter that. at OnlyMoviePod or our email at OnlyMoviePodcast at gmail.com. It really does make sense when you say it five times fast. I am a professional who does audio work and narration for a living. <laughs> Do we have any other way people can get in touch with us, by the way? I feel like we we don't plug our Instagram very much. What is it? It's, we uh, have it's, an Instagram. It's OnlyMoviePod, I, I believe. Only movie podcast. I don't know. Uh, You can check those. We put up the fun pictures every time. I think it works well. Um, What else? Uh, My PSN. You can always get me on uh, uh, Skeletor, the number four, P-R-E-Z. Explain to me just a quick question here. How would that work if someone was talking to you via PSN, like, and they were a podcast um, uh, fan or or Okay, Boomer. Well, uh, no, no, but no, no. Like, like, <laughs> tell me, would you guys play games together? Yeah, maybe. Is that what would happen? Yeah. Um, so it's funny. I actually, and I say this now, and I'm hoping that this is not the case. Though maybe I hope it is. I do have a fresh set of um, a fresh set of uh, PSN friend requests in my trough, but I haven't played had time to play PlayStation. I just noticed them on my phone. So maybe you have messaged me <laughs> to say you want to play games with me, which would be great. I have not checked it. I hope I can soon. What yeah. games would you play? Just Would you pick a movie-related game? Would you? We could. I mean, we could play Fall Guys, not necessarily a movie-related game. We could play Mortal Kombat, definitely a movie-related game. Trailer coming uh, out this week. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I know. I, ooh, oh, ooh, <laughs> oh, I'm, so, I'm so excited and terrified. Okay. Um, the WB <laughs> is, not, uh, is not really doing much for me these days. Um, so we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, what else would you play? Like, what, like, I mean, wouldn't like something like, like, what would you talk to someone about movies to during a game? What, which game would be ideally suited for that? I mean, to have side conversations? Yeah. I would say something like a Fall Guys or, uh, something that's like a, a communal thing that like you can actually just sort of play and have fun with and like laugh at a certain moment, but then you could also get into the deep idiosyncrasies of a film like Minari that it is ridiculous that the Golden Globes put it in the foreign language film category. Fun story. It's not actually the Golden Globes who did that. I was reading up on this. Who did it? Uh, who did it? Uh, well, who no, A24 submitted it into the foreign language category. So they, it wasn't <gasps> even it wasn't even a case that there was an appeal um, by the Hollywood foreign press. Le gasp. Yeah, it was it was done by A24 who submitted it into that category. And the history of that category uh, is really fascinating. I was reading a Hollywood Reporter article about this earlier. Um, the movie that really, um, uh, the two movies that really kind of called into question the the placement of American movies within the foreign language category were uh, Lettuce for Iwo Jima, the Clint Eastwood film, and Apocalypto, the Mel Gibson film, uh, mm-hmm. which were both nominated within the foreign language category of the Golden Globes. Um, and it was determined at that point that, that American movies shouldn't be allowed to go into that category so that the spaces could be available there for actual foreign films you know, from other countries. However, right. that rule uh, got laxed, I think, uh, when um, I believe it was Cary Fukunaga's film Sin Nombre, which is an excellent movie, by the way, um, uh, was placed in that category and didn't get any nominations as well. So the um, the rules were kind of laxed around that period. Uh, and recently, 
um, The Farewell and uh, Minari have come into question because they've both landed into that category, whereas a film, uh, the two films, uh, Babel and um, uh, Quentin Tarantino's Inglorious Bastards, uh, didn't quite make that, you know, like made it into the best picture category. Right, right, right. right. Um, and the, the, the rationale there is that these films might, because the, the, they literally just have a hard percentage line of the amount of dialogue and sure. how much of that dialogue is in a foreign language. And okay. in the case of Babel or Inglorious Bastards, apparently the case is that they, um, we're so close to 50% that they were given exemptions to um, go into um, the best picture category. Oh, how um, nice to have rules that you could just change. But but in the case of Minari, it, wasn't, it was submitted into that category. Uh, yeah, which is uh, a good thing to know so I can... Be upset you, at the right people. Yeah, you can be, uh, you can channel your rage elsewhere. I really do feel like sometimes you are the Hulk, and I am um, Black Widow, and I have to kind of like, you know, sun's going down now. <laughs> you know, like it's, gonna uh, be, it's the sun's getting real low. The sun's getting uh, real low. Natasha, getting real you really got to work on this if you're going to calm this internet. <laughs> see, beat. you see, I've already, I've enraged you already. <laughs> I'm like the but worst yet, Black but Widow. Your, but your thing doesn't work because you're supposed to not enrage me. Also, we're supposed to talk about having that's kids what I'm saying. Together we're worse at, at some this. point. But then again, we're also not talking about Joss Whedon anymore or spoiler alert we are talking talking about about Joss Whedon because Joss Whedon, uh, a lot. Well, you've have you heard about this? I, I've heard the stories, but I'm I'm saying to you, we we've had this debate many times on the show. Why why not talk about Joss Whedon? No, no, we do. I'm yeah. sa- I was saying I was sorry. I was sort of using it as a transition because of Age of Ultron. It was it it was an imperfect, much like most of my discussion this evening will be. Um, no, Joss Whedon has been called out by Charisma Carpenter, uh, David Boreanaz, Sarah Michelle Gellar, Michelle Trachtenberg. Uh, I think the list goes on and on for abusive behavior uh, on the set of Buffy alongside other things. And then, of course, uh, Ray Fisher with Cyborg and Justice League, which then ties back into Justice League. Anyway, <laughs> not a great time for a lot for the, for one of the one of the uh, I would say head creative forces behind a lot of my favorite media. And it doesn't mean you can't love those things, though. No, it doesn't. Uh, and luckily, it's not like his face is all over it like a Kevin Spacey kind of thing. But Still, it 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 it's it. It makes you feel icky. I get it. Yeah, yeah. a little bit. A little it makes bit. you feel icky. That's all right. Um. So yeah. <laughs> um. Just side note. Uh, Justice League trailer this week. Um. The Joker what? returns. What a meme lord bummer. <laughs> I actually like, I didn't watch the whole trailer because of just like my I I just have the ingrained rule now not to watch it. You know, not to watch the trailer, but I was like, as I was like, as the trailer was being posted everywhere, I was like, I've seen this movie. What's the big deal? You know, like, what's the big deal? Does it hurt if I watch the trailer? So I did like just sk- skip through it just to see. I was like, oh, is this going to look very different? And the main thing is, it's in you know, um, Academy ratio, not not Academy ratio, square ratio, which is IMAX one to one. Yeah, cool. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, <laughs> the end. I mean, have you heard about the Joker thing, right? Yeah, of course. I've seen the. I've seen. I've seen the. Shots. I didn't know you. I didn't know if you skipped to the end to find out that we live in a society. I, I, I saw we live in a society. Uh, oh my god! Like I, I, <sighs> I. There's a part of me I want to watch this. I actually do want to watch it. I don't know whether I want to watch it on, uh, you know, discuss it on the podcast or not. Oh, I want to discuss it. If I ha- look, this is a <laughs> we're doing it. I don't. I want to watch it's it a- for the sake of understanding what can change. Like I'm curious from a. From a creative point of view, like how much can a thing change? Um, because I generally, you know, like you, you can go back and listen to our Justice League episode. I just, I, I don't know what's redeemable about that movie. Like I, yeah, I, I, no, I, I can't same. think of a single scene. And I think uh, it's going to be a very interesting conversation about that and about sort of the 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 media, <laughs> the the self made media fervor that got us here. Uh, also tying into another style of fervor around another figure that feels oddly similar. Um, but we won't get into wait, that. Wait, wait, I missed, I went over my head. There's the, the, the Snyder cut people. Yeah. Like the real ardent ones have a real, uh, f- from an energy perspective, not a political or sociological or moral place. Mm-hmm. Uh, a real Trumpian vibe to him. Okay. Um, and it's just interesting. There's a lot. There's a lot to discuss. I look forward to that conversation. But I'd rather talk about right now an actually good film. <laughs> um, 
Watch me eat my words. Watch Justice League and Zack Snyder blow it out of the park so fucking crazy I mean, that you and nice? I are like, Minari, what? <laughs> yeah. What? I look. I uh, I'm I'm all for it. I I I do have. Uh, a belief in Zack Snyder's capabilities. I I don't believe I've seen it realized in sort of in in meaningful ways over the last few films. Um, I think it's slowly been lost. I think the fart like smell Man has overtaken it. I like Man of Steel. I like uh, his Dawn of the Dead. I, Dawn I, of the Dead was really good. I, I like some of his. I like a lot of fundamentally how three hundred works. Not necessarily. You can like even enjoy Sucker Punch on like nope. a base level. Nope. Nope, can't get, a, can't go, can't get on board with that. Can't I have a lot of problems with Sucker Punch. Please yeah. don't get me wrong. Uh, that's back to the same night movie review days. Um, but can't get on board. Nope. Uh, it, like I can pick a, like one aspect out of like eighty that I enjoyed out of <laughs> out of that. Um, I do. I have. I I did remember, recall myself. Uh, I saw it came up on a streaming service that I was on, and I was like, oh, I, I want to check out the train scene again. Uh, the train robot right. scene. And I watched it the second time around, and I think because I was only watching it for the spectacle of it all, I, it didn't do anything for me. And I was like, okay, no, cool, I'm good. The only thing I remember about that movie is when they fight the dragon. Yeah. Which yeah. I was like, cool, dragon. <laughs> um, anyway, a film that does not have any dragons. Minari. Might do. Could do. I mean, snakes are dragons? It's like snakes are tiny dragons, right? No. Yeah, why not? Okay. Uh, Shahir, uh, first and foremost, thank you for doing the legwork and figuring out the A24 screening schedule. Um, You're welcome. Shahir figured out uh, through some internet sleuthing how we could actually see this film. And uh, it was basically through A24's website. This is something that I'd never actually done before. There were like... Uh, basically time slot tickets you could buy that only had a limited number. I don't even know what that number was. I just know it was limited. Yeah. And then you could stream it during that window. I signed up for last night, uh, and that's when I watched this film. And it did, look, granted, I'll say a couple things. First of all, it was 20 bucks, like going to the movies in New York City. Yeah. And for a bad movie, I would have been upset. For this movie, I most certainly wasn't. But it was like that, like, all right, taking a gamble. Because, you know, I mean, I heard it was great. But still, you never know if it's going to affect you or how it's going to affect you. So then when I did it and I set up my laptop and I did the thing and I signed in. It has that weird, like, blinky loading screen to, like, try to make it so you can't pirate it. And then just like screeners of your, like... It was a little bit distracting, but I also thought it was kind of neat. It had your name, your email address, and like the barcode of your individual stream that moved in six different quadrants in a very light watermark fashion mm-hmm. as we were watching it. Huh. Um, it's weird because I um, I streamed it to uh, my Apple TV, um, and I didn't, and I saw that on the dev- on the iPad that I was watching it on, uh, that I had it on. But then when I, once I streamed it, it was no longer there. Interesting. You know what's funny? I bet you there's a thing that they have with Apple to still be able to identify it outside of it, whereas if it's from a web page, like on the device. It's also possible that once it was projected on the big screen, the watermark became so thin that, you know, like I just didn't even see it. I don't know. uh, I I did not notice it up there. Um, Anyway, I will say it made it feel kind of special, which is weird. It did, didn't it? Like it was like going to the movies. I was not expecting that. Yeah. Like... I I never paused it. Uh, I had to go to the bathroom near the end, and I didn't pause it because I wasn't sure if I could. <laughs> um, so I did what I do at the movie theater, and I I, I held it. Uh, uh, luckily, my ding dong was not broken, and I could. That's, uh, that's a reference to the movie, not just the status of my penis. By at the way, at this point, I'm hoping people have seen the movie enough to. Like, uh, yes, to uh, if you have not seen this movie, I would suggest hitting the pause button right now. And coming back to this after you've seen it. Actually, to actually, I've just realized as we've said that though, this will be released. This episode will be released the week before it's available for for uh, normal streaming. So it's quite possible that if you haven't uh, been to one of these A twenty four screenings or you didn't see it in a in its small theatrical window so, in two thousand and twenty, that uh, nobody has seen this movie. And uh, welcome aboard, everyone. So hold on. <laughs> so we're gonna release a movie. Uh, uh, a uh, uh, review of a movie. Yep. That people won't have been able to see. I mean, 
people have gone to the all the A24 screenings were sold out and you never know our audience might be exclusively made up of people who were able to buy tickets to the A24 screening I cannot wait for this to be our highest <laughs> listened to episode ever also there are people that and I'm aware of this people who listen to our show without seeing the movie and maybe this will entice them to do so. Some people don't care about spoilers. Some people don't care about uh, knowing what's happened, you know, like um, listening to our full discussion. Some people that I know of listen to our episodes in order to determine whether they will watch the movie. Well, that is just the highest praise. In fact, I will I will offer uh, slash ask if anybody who enjoys or, or does I, I need to hear from people who do not actively mind spoilers. Mm-hmm. Only movie podcast at gmail.com. I want to know what makes you tick? I want to know how that can be an enjoyable experience. I have ideas, but I've tried it and it does not work for me. So let me know. Um, um, yeah, no, but the screening like went relatively uh, painlessly for me. There were a couple of times where uh, mine stopped working, but I presume that had more to do with the connection between the iPad and the uh, and the Apple TV than it did to do with the A24's device. Though um, uh, so a listener reached out to me and mentioned that they were streaming uh, via Chrome, uh, a Chromecast, and they had uh, problems all the way through. And that, uh, I, but that A24 that they reached out to A24 to let them know it was happening, and A24 gave them another screener. Oh, nice. I was going to say, um, I I had only one moment near the end of the film where the bandwidth dropped. Right. Like, it still played, but the bandwidth got, like, crunchy in, like, a forest scene. Right. And uh, But then it fixed itself within two or three minutes. So, I mean, it's not perfect, but it definitely felt more special than just popping into Netflix and checking out Six Underground. Uh, there's a name cut. I haven't heard for a long time deep cut <laughs> um, could you tell us what Liazic Chung's Minari is about you know what I'd love to Thank because you. I gotta say short sweet and to the point IMDB it defines it as a Korean family starts a farm in 1980s Arkansas nice done I like it understated simple <laughs> <laughs> Nuprin, little, yellow, different. Um, the uh, That's an old commercial, by the way, everybody. I'm sorry, I'm like 100. Um, <laughs> yeah, so you know what's interesting about the 1980s part of that description? I didn't really know when this took place mm-hmm. uh, during it until I saw a Mountain Dew bottle, <laughs> and then I instantly knew it was the 80s. No, it was a gla- the glass screw the top. The glass mark. Old logo Mountain Dew bottle, uh, water from the mountains, as yeah. they as they called it in the, in the film. Uh, <laughs> so I liked that that was my first identifier. I, maybe I could have checked it out by uh, like the TV or some other things, but I just also figured that like maybe those are hand me downs or they came with the house or like you know whatever. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and and what's funny about that? I guess the line you know it's uh, mountain water that the, that the 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 little boy David explains to his grandmother um, was that I look there's a lot about this movie that I instantly recognized um, despite not you know not being Korean and not moving to immigrating to America in the 1980s my family immigrated to um, first to Australia then to New Zealand from Fiji after mm-hmm. political turmoil in Fiji um, so there was a lot about coming to uh, what we perceived as a Western country um, that was like new and exciting. And one of them in the 1980s, or uh, sorry, for me it was the 1990s, um, was McDonald's. Like going to McDonald's and having my first Big Mac when I was, I think, 10 or 11 years old. Um, and there was this sort of instant like um, premium value to the to, to being able to get a Big Mac. Yeah. It's just something that wasn't, that didn't exist uh, in, in Fiji. Um, that I just, I instantly recognized that that sort of little quirk of like what is premium and what is ordinary according to, um, depending on where you live. Like, so for example, um, uh, I don't know if you know this about me. My, my father owned a candy store. Uh, for, I did know that yeah, about yeah, yeah. you. Yeah, I was like, you can come to the candy shop. Um, is that a 50 cent song? That is a 50. Way to go. Okay, your boomer status is revoked, yeah. and now you I, can be a millennial. No, I'm well. a Gen Xer, right? Isn't that a Gen X? No. 50? Well, you might be. I'm I'm the, uh, to steal Davey Stevie Dave, one of my comedian friends' line, I'm the oldest known millennial. <laughs> right. So you might be actually Gen X. Okay, all right. You um, might be the youngest 
Gen Xer. Maybe that's how we should market this podcast. The youngest Gen Xer and the oldest millennial will talk to you about things that are kind of related to one specific film. Um, the uh, and, and for example, um, so my my dad used to import in American uh, candy into the candy store, sure. and Twinkies were a premium oh. item. Like Twinkies, where you could get Twink. I, I think I think we would sell like Twinkies for something like eight bucks for like one of the little two packs. Or something like that. You uh, know what's interesting? Because it was about such a that, premium, premium yeah. item to have in New Zealand at the you time. Know what, you know what's interesting about that and the McDonald's thing and yeah. other stuff? You know how we always talk about sort of what we people always talk about like American exceptionalism and like how we do this, that, and the other thing. And we kind of make up the fact that we're the best country on the thing and da 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 da. da. The interesting thing is our ex or or the things that are that have prescribed value of like you've made it right are cheap as shit like they're just cheap and dumb and like mcdonald's is garbage (laughs) and twinkies are bad (laughs) but but the act of i guess america's greatest export has to be in my opinion marketing because because that's what it is. All the things you're describing is just hype. And now granted, I can't speak to uh immigrating to uh another country with that hype in mind, but I do remember as a child, McDonald's was special. Mm. McDonald's was a treat. McDonald's was something that I got to go to when something good happened and and there's something but like and, and, seriously, and this is this is making me i don't know what this is making me sound like i will say my my parents cooked very well had yeah. healthy meals etc but mcdonald's <laughs> was still something that was like held up at of least course, it, but i mean you were a kid i mean mcdonald's sure, doesn't matter when but, you're a kid but the interesting thing is I feel like a lot of the things that people think about America, and maybe I'm globalizing here, maybe I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, email us at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com. A lot of these things that are seen as sort of that exceptional thing are kind of trash. <laughs> well, isn't um, one of uh, America's greatest exports is its cultural... Uh, I, there's, a, there's a phrase that it's I heard... marketing, yeah. Uh, cultural self-esteem at some point. Um, maybe. And uh, the, in fact, the, this is actually a point of contention. In, uh, For example, for Korea, for exa- um, particularly, I know one of the contentious issues was that Korea... Th- this is back in the day. I think this issue has is, is, uh, um, sure. morphed in, in many different ways since, the, since, this, uh, since my reading of this at the time, um, was that uh, Korean cinemas had uh, a, a, de- a, a yearly quota of Korean films that they had to play. Yes. And the reason being is that they they, they um, recognize that without this quota, the Korean film industry would be swallowed whole yep. um, by foreign imports, for example, um, uh, American movies. Uh, and so Korean movies, I think, had to play in a Korean cinema for up to 300 uh, days per year. That sounds, uh, that sounds correct. And, and in part of free trade negotiations with Korea... Um, the, 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 the wavering of that um, um, uh, requirement was something that was on the negotiating table. It was very important that America be able to, to show movies uh, in, in Korean cinemas uh, unfitted. Um, I, I think the, thing, the, the sort of protectionist status that they had for Korean films at the time has ensured that the Korean film industry is thriving and is doing well, um, and, and, and I don't believe that quota is in place anymore. Um, but it's it's interesting, that, you know, the the idea is that the, the the cultural export that's being negotiated on the table there is a cultural export. I, in, in many ways, it is a it's a cultural product, but it yeah. is like we want to be able to import our movies here. Um, so I, you know, and it's the same with in New Zealand, for example, the import of uh, television is uh, really important to uh, the, the New Zealand culture. Um, there's this argument that's been made about uh, New Zealand television it costs like a million dollars to make an episode of New Zealand television versus ten thousand dollars to import in uh, an episode of The Sopranos or whatever. So, huh. you know, like, and, and so, you, you know, those value propositions are very difficult to, to negotiate, you know, like, you know, The Sopranos or any American TV show is like one of the, the one of the highest rated things you can get in. Versus Joni the, loves Chachi. Whatever. Um, happy days, whatever. Um, but, but, you know, like making uh, your own products is, 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 while kind of a lost leader is important for representing your own culture on screen. Um, and, yeah. And that brings us into... 
I guess there is somewhat a conversation, uh, you know, as we alluded to earlier, about Minari and um, the foreignness of it all or the foreign languageness of sure. it all. But uh, one thing that I'll say out the gate is I, I don't think I've seen a more quintessentially American movie yes. in recent memory. Like this Thank is you. quintessentially the American story. So before before you told me the truth about the A24 submitting it for this thing, that the first thought I when after this movie was done, I was like, this is the most American thing I think I've ever seen. Mm. <laughs> like, I, 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 everything about it drips the experience of this country. Right. And that's there's a lot of bad in that. Yeah. Uh, but, like, I could not believe how this beat out, like, westerns and war movies and everything. <laughs> there's just something in the bones of this film that screams America. Yeah. It's, it is quintessential Americana. And and then there's, there's something interesting about it as well, though, which is that uh, I, I post it, you know, like I on my Instagram, I'll just post whatever I'm watching um, as a as an Instagram story. And uh, maybe you are. Maybe you are a millennial. <laughs> uh, very bad one. I'm not, I, I don't have a lot of followers. Uh, so I'm posting. <laughs> you to don't you. need. Believe me. <laughs> you don't need a lot of followers to be a millennial. You, um, just need, you just need an open mind and a willingness to broadcast most of your mundane life. <laughs> well, here we are. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> hey, we're doing it. <laughs> um, but one thing that, you know, a couple of people reached out and said was like, this is a movie. And again, in New Zealand, they can go to movie theaters right now. They have three cases of COVID. How um, nice but, for them. <laughs> um, which is funny. Three cases of COVID and the country is like on the verge of lockdown. Um, and I, like all I can tweet is the uh, the diehard welcome to the party, pal. Um, maybe, maybe they're onto something. <laughs> um, but so but like what I love is that um, my family, my extended family, people I know, they're all planning trips to the movies to see this. Oh, that's good. Um, this is like, uh, this feels like a cultural touch point for a lot of people. And I, I would say in my family and my extended family, it has to do with the immigration story, which is despite being Korean and American, um, you know, which is specific in its own ways, is very universal to a lot of minorities like myself. Like there's this, uh, the, the, the story of immigrating and and, you know, finding yourself in a foreign land and, and like negotiating what it means to be an other in that country uh, is was such a universal experience um, that I saw so much of my life experience in this. And I was like, uh, as my and what was odd is I was about to tell my mother, you should go see this movie. I think you'll really enjoy it. And she had already booked tickets prior to me even Aww. saying that. She was like, oh yeah, we're all going as a family. Uh, you know, other people we know have gone to see it and loved it and have told us to go see it. So we're all, you know, like the last time I can remember that happening, honest, and this is the weirdest thing, the last time I can remember that sort of, because it's playing in this theater in in Wellington uh, called the Penthouse Theater, which is like up in the hills. Sure. Uh, and it's hard to get to. The last time I remember that happening was- the, It was Justice League, wasn't it? Meet the Parents. Oh, wow. Okay. Meet close. the Parents was like a cultural touch point, and everyone went to go see it, and it was only playing at this one theater. And so everyone was like booking trips to go up to see it in this theater. And that's that's the last time I remember. I'm sure there's many cases where it's happened. Um, but Three everyone, cases. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Uh, uh, everyone is. is uh, there's such a. Like, in my mind, there's such a potential for this to be a huge breakout hit internationally for this movie there's there's so much potential for this movie to be watched in almost every country that is in some way immigrate it has immigrants in it and i would even argue that there's there's a lot for someone like me who has not experienced an immigration uh, in their life to also glean from it like i, I the, the thing the one of the reasons why i think this film is so successful in the emotional gut punches that it does is Everybody can relate to this story in one way or another. You do not have to be uh, Korean, though it would help uh, in certain aspects, I am sure. Mm -hmm. You do not have to be an immigrant, though, again, the 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 tropes, the, not even tropes, the, the, the story points, the touch points of that are incredibly visceral to yeah. the point where it helps someone like me understand it a little bit better. Again, never going to understand it fully, but stuff like this is how, you know, the windows into those experiences. Film, if you will. Yeah. The, the, and then there's just the quintessential sort of like the American, this is going to get a little weird, but the American sort of truth lie. <laughs> like, like, growing up again, McDonald's was special. 
growing up, America was the best. And then you kind of start seeing the underpinnings and the cracks as you become an adult and magical thinking dies. And then you start seeing the truth of it where there's a lot of good things about America, but there's a lot of bad things about America. And this film, I feel like, especially for an 80s, a a non-affluent family coming to America in the 80s. In 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 a, in a in a decade of excess uh, outside going on, I could only picture what was going on, you know, outside of uh, this section of Arkansas during this time. Yeah, uh, I was being born in '82, so maybe I was around. <laughs> um, but the humble brag, yeah, humble brag. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. It, it just it rang true to me. Harsh truths about the American dream and the American experience that I hadn't seen put. I hadn't seen collected all together and then told so well, I think, honestly, ever. I think the thing that makes it work is that it is uh, the American experience is not uniform. It is it is unique to everybody yeah. who who engages with. It. I think, you know, like one thing you're just talking about there is that I, I you know, maybe I should vocalize this is we are like my my immediate family, me, my wife, and my son are experiencing exactly this story right now in Astoria, you know, in Queens. Like, we're experiencing the story of, like, being immigrants here, setting up our, you know, like, trying to set up our our roots and foundations here, and and we're pursuing our dreams and things we want to do, and we have uh, had a child here, and, you know, um, you know this about me. It's like my... uh, uh, We have... um, grandparents that will come and stay with us for long periods of time. Um, And mainly, you know, for a couple of reasons. One is... Um, the, 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 the trips are so long that it's, it's, it's not feasible for them to just come for a few weeks at a time, but they want to do it as well because they want to be with their family. And like part of being, uh, an Indian is that you, you, you know, you connect yourself to, to your, your, your parents, um, for, for long periods of time to, to the point where, you know, like it's in many Indian families, it's expected that you will either remain at home or if you, if you buy your own house or something, you have to have space in it for your parents to live. Right. Um, you know, and uh, we're America. We're like, Oh gee, wow. I didn't, I didn't finish the basement. <laughs> we, we found this lovely assisted living community for you to live in. <laughs> but, but then this also happened when I, we were living in like a, like we call it a one bedroom apartment, but it was really just a studio with a wall in it in the Upper East Side. And, you know, like, our parents would come and stay with us there. <laughs> and it was right. like, you know, it was, it was, it was uh, ridiculous to an extent, but like, um, it's, it, it the reason why I think my mother would love this film is I, I found so much familiarity in the idea of the grandmother coming to look after her son, uh, like her grandson. And I also had that experience as I was growing up. And it was only through watching this that I realized, like, why that had happened. Um, so my, right. you know, like, a, I, I feel like I'm going to spend a lot of this podcast talking about my personal experiences because that's sure. what this film did for me. Fuck is, it. We're doing it live. Yeah. But, but I, like, you know, without question, the film is exceptional. Uh, it's beautiful. Uh, it's heart-wrenching in the most beautiful way because it's, it's not... Um, over dramatized there's there's no sense of like escalated stakes beyond what is you know in front of what these people are having to deal with no, it feels uh, very real yeah yeah well at one point there's like uh, a d- discussion of tornadoes that might rip up the house and it never quite come it never comes to fruition in in that way um so you know like the escalation of stakes has to do with just what the family is going through but for me personally it was just such a recognizable um set of circumstances that really made it work and and so before i you know i'll let you take over in a second i just i just wanted to say i the thing that this conjured up for me the most was that when i was a kid i think i was about 12 or 13 years old my grandmother my maternal grandmother uh came and stayed with us and and i was a little shit i was the worst um did you put pee in a teacup i did not put pee in a teacup i i will say i i i had boundaries uh, but I also wasn't seven years old, so you know maybe I'd learned at that point. P and T cup was like just not the done thing. Right, you put it in a mason jar, <laughs> yeah. a-, a la, a la Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. Oh, I was gonna go Howard Hughes, baby. Oh, either the way, Scorsese. the reference stands. <laughs> um, what is it? Uh, aunt, dad, mom's peach apple tea. Is uh, aunt, aunt, someone's <laughs> peach iced yeah, tea. Who whatever. gives a shit? It's the dumbest shit. Whatever. Um, and I like just that. I had that 
realization that I was just a little shit. I was the worst grandkid ever because because my grandmother slept in my room as well so i was like a 12 year old kid with like my grandmother sleeping next to me um and um the thing was is i i never understood it from the point of view of my parents as to why sure. my grandmother was there i only understood it from my point of view as it being an inconvenience on my life right, right, uh, right. because i was 12 or 13 and i was like i can look after myself i don't need anyone here but from my parents it meant that they had someone looking after me at all mm-hmm. times, um, you know, like after school and stuff when I came home because my parents had just uh, bought their first store and so we're working and they would work, you know, till seven or eight at night. Every, you know, they'd start at eight in the morning, finish at eight at, eight at night. And there was someone there to greet me when I came home from school to look right. after me and all that sort of stuff. And I didn't. I hadn't recognized it from that point of view. Like I, I, you know, at 12 or 13, I was just like, I can come home and look after myself. But for my parents, it just meant something. And it meant that, you know, they brought home, um, uh, they, they had a family member looking after me, which if you're coming from a different country into the country, kind of, you know, it matters. And uh, like, that's just like one extra Twinkie they have to bring home. Yeah. And that's not terrible. <laughs> and I had uh, a lot side, of them, let me just say. Side note, side note, the candy shop I knew, <laughs> am I making something up about your history about, wasn't there a pickle farm? There is a pickle farm in Fiji. Yes, there is a pickle farm in my family. And at the time that we're talking about where my grandmother came, there was a seafood store. Okay, so there's <laughs> salty, savory, and sweet. You got all, oh my God. Got all <laughs> yes. of the things covered <laughs> in in the Dowd uh, family line. Uh, listen, I mean, my, my family just builds roofs. Yeah. <laughs> and those Probably for like seafood shit. stores or candy stores or pickle farms. Yeah. Uh, and... and <laughs> Here we are, America, <laughs> the great experiment. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so going back to the to the grandmother thing again, I never had that experience uh, with uh, either of my grandparents uh, or any of them. Um, but I will say that the 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 best part of this entire film was the relationship and how it changed uh, between the grandson and the grandmother. Yeah. Uh, it just felt so awesome and then deeply sad and and i i can't think of another film lately anyway that shows like the growth of something beautiful the loss of that thing and then living continually with the loss of that thing so aptly as this film does and the thing i'm referencing is basically that relationship or the or the i guess the spark or the livelihood of the grandmother because after she has the stroke she's never the same again as many people aren't and like she was such a actually okay i can relate this back to me yeah. uh cuz why not i'm i can i hey if she here wants to play the personal game i can do it too <laughs> uh my grandmother who just passed away last year weirdly enough not from uh covid um it wasn't a stroke, but I watched something very similar with her. She was just a fucking, the most amazing beast. Like, she could just, she was funny and smart and quick and, 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 like, not, not, like, dirty, but in the same way that this, that the <laughs> yeah. grandmother in this sort of thing was, like, you know, dropping a, a couple, like, you know, words that you wouldn't expect a grandmother to use. Or, yeah. like, watching wrestling, you know, just stuff that was, like, a little off the beaten path that made you know, made the vibrance real, right? Yeah. And after she had an injury and a couple other things, all it was was a gradual deterioration, even to the point where when she did pass, uh, it was a... I viewed it, it for whatever that's worth, as a mercy because it was just slowly... Like, for the last few years that she was alive, she was was barely who she ever was. Right. And uh, now even just talking about it while watching it, the movie was was so engrossing, I didn't think about it, but maybe that's another reason why that sort of struck me is uh, uh, th- there there's an element to that where it's it's the act of seeing something beautiful grow mm. with a family member or relationship, et cetera, that having to change due to the hardships of life and then not having that be the end of the story. Mm. Like, I don't know, it felt like, and again, there's cruxes to it and it all ties together with the, with what happens to the crop and, and a couple other things along with the interpersonal relationships of, uh, of, um, 
was it Jacob and and um and Monica, yeah. Monica. Um there there are so many sort of interpersonal stories tied up with this film, but the, the but the but the grandson David and the grandmother was just was just on another fucking level. Well, that like, kid, <laughs> Alan That kid's Kim. great. Well, he's just he's the most adorable kid. Like he is so cute. Now he's got <laughs> In all of his interviews with his little fucking suede jackets and shit. <laughs> and his little bow tie is just like, ah, this kid's unbearable. I think the one thing, uh, you know, if I was to lob one criticism at the movie, sure. mild, very, very mild, but but uh, but true, is that um, uh, Anne, his sister, uh, her story tends to get a little lost in the mixture here um, yeah. and, and what she's going through. And I, and I think there is something about um, immigrant family. I mean, you know, like any family as well, but the way in which a boy is favored over a girl yeah. uh, and the boys, you know, the girl's responsibilities versus the boy's responsibilities. Um, and I think that story uh, gets a little lost here and, and there's no, um, there's no, she is the one character who sort of fades into the background a little bit. Yes, um, I agree. Even even their the the worker friend yeah. um Will has Patton's, more of an uh, arc. I love Will Patton so much. Yeah. Uh has more of an arc. Also so lovely to see a character that is uh, you know, let's just say very religious mm-hmm. and a little bit backwards uh not portrayed as a monster. Yeah, he's he's religious, but that's it's not a crutch. He, his like his religi- religiosity is kind of um, we- weirdly enough, eventually pleasant. a bonding agent yeah. between him and Monica. Like, yeah. and it's funny because oftentimes the cheap way a movie can do these characters is sort of like when you first meet him, you're not quite sure what to know. Cause again, I didn't know that the angle of this story, I had no idea what was going to happen. And at those points where you meet him, we've heard once or twice at that point, And he even brings up, Oh, it's a shame what happened on the land that you bought. And yeah. I was like, is this going to go fucking dark? Yeah. Like I, 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 cause like you kind of have like, he kind of weirdly enough had the vibe of the gas station attendant at the beginning of Cabin in the Woods. Right. <laughs> and like, and so I was like, oh, oh, okay, movie. I don't know what ride I'm going on, but let's see if this is a haunted hayride or a uh, yeah. hyper emotional family drama. Luckily, it was the latter. Well, um, I think there's a thing as well, which is that the expectations of how the family will interact with their new neighbors and people around them is sure, sure, tempered sure, sure. with this idea that we have with a film like this, particularly in the 1980s, is that at some point someone will do something outwardly uh, racist towards them. Well, the film will kind of veer into the direction of, of um, you know, uh, the the conflict is between the otherness of one family versus the community of the other uh, yep. of 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 where they're living in and this and and what i liked about this is this also reminded me i think i've talked about this uh on the podcast i can't remember which episode or, or in what context was the sort of casual racism that happens when you're growing up and you're the only person of color within a community that is not mean-spirited if that's a weird way to it's curious just not in a respectful way yeah but it's also it's not mean-spirited you know like it's done with a sort of even if it's like acknowledgeably racist and understood to be racist um which is not what happens in this film but I'm, i'm speaking of my own experiences sure there's a kind of camaraderie in being able to be that open with someone you know. I remember uh-huh. where I, I actually, it just occurred to me where we talked about this. It was in um, Hello High Water. We were talking about oh, Jeffrey's yes, character yes, yes. and his, uh, and his uh, partner, um, uh, you know, and the casual racism that they have between each other. Um, it, it's, it's not something that I would like, suggest you should try um, because there's no correct context for which it to occur but it's something that I have experienced which is that um, and this this doesn't happen this hasn't happened as an adult or anything like that but it certainly happened when I was growing up where there's a sort of naivete about it and I'd say certainly something that was more prevalent in the 90s than it would be today sure but the idea that you can be casually racist with a good friend if 
you are willing to acknowledge that the racism is playing within your own differences. There's like a boundary to it. And it's it's more of a comfort level. Again, I'm I'm sort of the way I'm suggesting it could be taken completely out of context. Um uh, Oh, what are you talking about? No one would ever do that. <laughs> but but what I'm saying is is that is that I have friends that can make jokes about things in front of me that I wouldn't let a stranger make. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't let a stranger say in public. Um yes. and um, this there is con there are scenes within this film where the little girl, for example, at the church starts saying, "Tell me if I know one of your la- you know some of your language." One of the words start- in your language. Yeah, one of the words in your language, and she starts basically saying, you know, racially racially tinged uh, uh, stereotypes uh, of of uh, the Asian languages. Yeah. But I could see those two characters becoming friends because there's not a mean spiritedness behind it. Again, not suggesting it's okay or in any way, shape, or form. No, but, but there's suggest- an interesting yeah. like that's a nature versus nurture thing too. Like they have they have learned these things, they've overheard things, they don't know the context. They're like, oh, I'm still learning how to speak to humans in general. Yeah. Here we go. Like and and you know, they're not the kids are not being actively racist. In fact, I really liked how it went really from uh, the kids sort of staring at David mm. to then asking about his face to then them going up to the parents and being like, can can I stay over his house? Yeah. Like, like <laughs> the kid just like was like, oh, cool. Yeah. Here's another kid. Like, I don't know. But he got there through a racist yeah, it's, <laughs> you, know, you asked him why is his nose so flat or why is his face so flat? Yeah, but even then, the deadbeat dad that like said it was one of the quotes I really wanted to do at the beginning of this movie. They're eating breakfast over at that house when he does stay over, and the dad says to the to the the other kid, the the uh, he's like. You tell your mom I was here all night, all right? Yeah. Like, because all they did, the, the David and this other kid, like, uh, did chew and yeah. like and like, it was. Oh gosh, it's, there's a specificity to that experience, which I, which I don't think, you know, like it's not didactic. It's an experience I had. It's um, again. It, it's it's such an odd specific specific thing, um, that. When it happens in this movie, and because the perspective in this movie is always from the point of view of someone who is experiencing that, not inflicting upon inflicting it, I yeah. think they're like you you understand how it works, and there's you know like it can't like don't get me wrong there's there's a very fine line for where this and this has happened to me as well, where it can go from like funny to traumatic or yes. you know funny to offensive. It's a very fine line. and you know, part of being the only person of color in a community is negotiating that sometimes that line will be crossed and you have to know what to do when it does get crossed. Um, but but I think that is like woven into the the fabric of this film so beautifully sure. um, that it that that it just again, it reminded me of what it was like growing up as an immigrant into a into a community that uh, like you know I I be- I was the only Indian kid in my primary school which I think would be your uh, grade school and I was like yeah. one of two or three uh, Indian kids in my high school. Well, yeah, and 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 on that note, even that moment with the with the dad of the other kid, right? Yeah. Again, I don't know if I've been trained by media to expect racism yeah. from characters like that. Now, granted, he's not a good dad. He's probably not a good guy. <laughs> but he really doesn't know. say anything yeah. racist. Yeah. He he talks about farming and how it's good that, that that David's dad is doing the work over there. And, oh, man, it sucks that other dude fucking killed himself. Again, talking to a child about a suicide. <laughs> but, like, that's shitty. But he doesn't seem like he's a racist. And so, like, I don't know. It just it was it was a breath of fresh air to see that type of character not fall into that that breed of badness i guess yeah that that the film doesn't veer into the 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 film is really there's another part of this which i kind of really enjoyed and and it's actually been a reoccurring theme throughout this year which which i've really uh loved acknowledging as a consistent theme which is that the the stakes of this movie are really based upon the everyday, you know, fundamental things that people have to go through. So in this case, for 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 this family, it's it's growing enough crops in order to and finding a place to sell them um, and and irrigation. You know, like that that's really the heart of the major conflict. And underlying that major conflict is uh, a husband and wife with two 
differing ideals about yeah. where, what they want to do with their families. And, and, and that's what, you know, the reoccurring theme of it this year. And I, you know, there was an article I pulled up a couple of years ago when we reviewed the Florida project, um, by Stephen Pampari, uh, about, uh, films about poor Americans and like the problem when poor Americans or poverty is not depicted in, on cinema, uh, in an effective way and people can't see themselves or people don't understand what poverty really means. And I think there's been a number of films that we've seen this year where the stakes are really, you know, uh, in the case of Miss Juneteenth, I think it was like the, the stakes of $700, you know, like, yeah. uh, it never really sometimes, uh, or sometimes never really always, it was like, you know, a few never hundred Never rarely, sometimes always. You know, whichever. <laughs> um, it was a few hundred dollars to basically <laughs> get from one place to the other, you know, like, yeah. there's this sort of sense of like, the stakes are very simple, but they're very real and they're very tangible and they're devastating when you realize which way they're going to go. It's just like in Justice League when Steppenwolf is working for Darkseed to get the mother box through the boom tube. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Uh, what now? The yeah. what now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's where we're at. Um, <laughs> the thing I did want to... You, you said your minor gripe. I think I... Here's my minor gripe, but I'm hoping that you can talk me out of it. Okay. Uh, the end of the movie... So I, I was... This is... Okay. I really liked at the beginning of the film how the guy comes with the divining rod and s tries to prove that he can find water. Mm -hmm. And then and then Jacob's like, nah, bro, mm -hmm. later. Yeah. And then he teaches his son a lesson and they kind of figure it out due to science and they use their mind and it's just a nice moment. And then, of course, it dries up and, you know, there, there's mm -hmm. issues there as well. But then at the end of the film, mm -hmm. he hires a divining rod guy to mm -hmm. find water. Yeah. And... Uh, what 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 did you read that as? Because there's a couple different ways. Like, in the moment, I was a little upset. Now, I I understand why. Like, look, it makes sense. You're, you're at the end of your rope. You don't know what to do. Like, I, I like I get it. And, 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 but in the moment, I found myself being like, oh, man, like, that sweet moment and that great moment of self-reliance was kind of undercut. Now, granted, that could also be the message, right? When you're coming to a place like this, sometimes you have to do the things that uh the the locals do to survive and maybe that's a representation of that mm. but i also find divining kind of bullshit so <laughs> yeah. like i don't know like that that moment kind of bothered me because it was one of the the last ones and it was during moments of sort of like familial catharsis and figuring out what they were doing and that i saw as a defeat which again there's a lot of defeat in this film but it was just sort of i don't know it felt out of place did you get that read at all or am i just sort of making a, a mountain out of a dry molehill <laughs> there's no well here yeah. um no i think for me i i think you can certainly read it that way but for me the it, it has to do with um uh, uh, Jacob's character and it has to do with Jacob's stubbornness uh, in the face of what other people want around him mm, and okay. and so for him you know the, the the heart of the movie is is like really played out in the scene where they go to David's doctor and you know David's doctor says like the hole in David's heart we haven't even talked about the fact that there's a hole in his heart and that he can't run and that's uh, played out through like that could be a film unto itself kind of thing a hundred percent um but while they're waiting in the hallway, uh, David and Monica basically have like uh, a sort of an argument about what they want to do with their families. And and Monica says, um, you know, she wants she wants him to she wants the family. You know, the crops aren't going to work out, so we should move back to California. There are people around us there. We'll be safe. And 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 da um, Jacob can't uh, he can't do that because. He needs to create his own destiny. He needs to create something that is his own. You know, th there's a history to these characters where they've spent 10 years um, working at a, you know, chicken. Uh, what is the practice called where they're figuring out the sexes of the chicken? I, guess. I have sexting. Sexting. They, they called it. But <laughs> I, that, that's something very different in my book. Yeah, true. There you but go. But maybe millennial. we should just be sending pictures of, of iced chicken <laughs> of your, of your genitals. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe th that's how you know it's not broken. <laughs> um but and she says the I, I think Monica says the most devastating line, which is that you've just picked your farm over your family, and he the reason that that's important is because he is, you know, he's basically saying I'm I'm committing everything to this farm working, mm 
and I'm going to do it my own way and I'm going to do it the Korean way and I'm going to bring everything that, you know, like my own ingenuity to it. And he fails, like, you know, through certainly you could argue no fault of his own, but, but, you know, certainly he wasn't able to dig up a well. He wasn't, you know, like he was starting to irrigate the fa uh, the family farm through the Maine's water supply, which meant they ran out of water for so long periods of time and he failed. And so the final act of basically giving into faith and giving into the idea that, you know, this is the way people do it around here, you know, like 300 bucks and we'll find you a well, you know, no matter if it's chicanery or bullshit or whatever, that's just the way it's done around here. The fact that he kind of accepts it and gives into it is him coming to terms with this is where we live now. And, and as much as I want to bring Korea, you know, like the Korean way of doing things here, I also have to give a little to the American way of doing things or the Arkansas way of doing things here. Yeah, I, I think uh, that's a that's a fine explanation that I accept, and also I see more of my own stubbornness in the thing that I am being upset about than what the moral of that moment of the movie was. Like, I'm really actually seeing more about myself being like, rah, rah, rah. Yeah. like I I'm more the problematic parts of Jacob in the beginning, and that's why I'm rallying against. <laughs> but I, I, I can certainly back. I can certainly see that, and then but then it's touched by this sort of beautiful footnote in the film, which is that the grandmother has been, you know grows this sort of crop of Minari, which is this uniquely Korean thing mm -hmm. um, in, in this garden. And it, it has it has flourished and it has settled roots and it is growing beautifully. And it's the thing that, you know, it, it may not be the thing that saves them for the winter, but it is like the thing that, you know, like there is some value there. Yeah. And and he can see, you know, like, you know, the last words of the films are like, your grandmother was right. You know, uh, she picked the right place to grow this. Um, and I, you know, there's this, this is sort of, I, I guess it's a, it's the give and take of, I mean, I'm trying to think of where this happened in my life. Um, but it's the give and take of holding on to what is your roots versus accepting that you are now in a new garden sure. and, and, you know, like things are done differently here and you, there's a give and take that has to happen. Like when Wonder Woman left Themyscira <laughs> and had to go to the 1980s and fight a woman that eventually became a cat because life was good, but it could be better. Yeah, I know. This is this is cat people is something you really have to accept when you're moving into DC politics. That's there, at some really, point you I, will you will encounter cat people and 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 uh, pseudo politicians that are also in fact wishing rocks is really <laughs> another real important American trope that I feel like Minari missed out on actually uh, discussing in great length. Yeah, they didn't have a wishing rock. No, uh, that's a real shame. No. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I think I want to, you know, just kind of just summarize that all that was like. This is such rich, fertile ground, and and I think there's something in here for everybody. And it's also like, as my wife and I were watching it, and we were both like, "Man, I think you know my son who doesn't watch a lot of movies at this point, and I'm still struggling." He, by the way, side note, we got him to watch Cool Runnings this week, which he which he thoroughly enjoyed. Hey, yeah, yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah. We're starting to get into it, but I was like, "This is a movie that he could watch, you know, like uh, pretty soon," and it would be. I would be happy to show it to him. I think I think it's also like uh, a it's a great family movie, and in in none of the ways that I think that phrase can be used in the wrong way. It's funny. It's a great family movie in the non-traditional American family way. Well, I guess it's in the non sort of like race uh, to uh, which the, mountain kind of movie, you know, mold. In in, in the non Hallmark bullshit yeah. McDonald's way. Yeah, it's it's a yeah, it's not a McDonald's film. It's a uh, it's it's just ah, uh, and again, it's the you know, the score, the cinematography, I think it was Lachlan Milne was the uh, cinematographer. I'm not certain if Lachlan Milne is, is a New Zealander, by the way. There's a famous New Zealand cinematographer by the name of Murray Milne. And I noticed that at the end of Lachlan Milne's um, credits, uh, there was the NZCS, which is the New Zealand Society of Cinematographers. And I was like, is that Murray Milne's kid? I'm not too sure. You'll uh, never know. Possibly. I think he might You'll be You'll never sure. know unless you Google it. Uh, but the uh, the score by Emil Mosseri as well, I, the, the sort of sun dream kind of like wistful beautiful arkansas sunlight you know skyline i was just like this movie is just gorgeous i yeah. and it's it just it makes me feel good it made me feel good i mean it made yeah. me feel a lot of different things yeah. and good was one of them yeah. like it was definitely an emotional roller coaster i mean I, I, literally in my overall section of my notes and my like last sort of thoughts or whatever i just wrote the quintessential american film again yeah. i go back to the, i cannot think of 
another film that is more American feeling than this. And I have watched the cinematog the 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 the, the cinematic library uh, <laughs> that is Michael Bay. So I I feel like I'm uniquely qualified uh, to make that statement. This is the most American movie ever. I feel like this and Miss Juneteenth were the most quintessentially American movies I saw this At least year. of 2020, yeah. yeah. Like, I, I, I uh, yeah, <laughs> shit. So good. If you haven't seen it, go see it. Oh, wait, you can't. You Way might- to go, us, for not <laughs> planning this correctly. You may have seen it at this point. It is a 2020 release. Uh, if you haven't seen it at this point, uh, it is available. And if you listen to this entire podcast... We applaud you first and foremost. Uh, please write us in onlymoviepodcast at uh, gmail.com because Matt wants to get inside your brain. But yes. also, it is available for streaming on February 26th, which would be the end of this week, I'm presuming. Is uh, that rental? Is that Hulu? Is uh, that Amazon Prime? Uh, rentals. Through, rental, rentals, rental. VOD, uh, general release. Uh, there's been a little bit of questioning uh, around why that's happening this year like why are they why is why is a24 screenings limited but it's because of these distribution deals that they have struck up you know like if sure. everyone could go see this in the theater um you know it's the same when they open up movies in certain localities it it, it, it means that their marketplace is limited whereas if it became like an entire the globe could go see this movie on a friday night uh that's a different equation for a distributor so you know sure whatever. well either way it was a delight and i liked it a lot and you will too Damn it. Um, This has been the only podcast about the film Minari. Shahir, when you are not suturing yourself emotionally and mentally to the story of a family that relates very well and I almost near identically based on some of your things that you said to your own uh, experiences in life. Where can folks find you? Uh, people may not have realized this, but I am, in fact, Bruce Wayne in the Snyder universe. That has pretty much been my life experience. Yeah, makes uh, sense. Minus the pearls and the dead parents. Um, but you can find out my entire backstory uh, and where I place the Batwing uh, on my website at www.shahirdowd.com. That's S-H-A-H-I-R-D-A-U-D.com. Matt, when you are fleeing Themyscira only to be encountering uh, fighting cat people in Washington, D.C., uh, where can people find you? You can find me letting you, Batman, know that we live in a society over at my website, M-A-T-T-H-E-W-K-R-O-L.com for my life and works. Also, Skeletor, the number four, P-R-A-Z on Instagram and P-S-N, ha-ha, and Emperor MSK on Twitter. Also, please check out the good works we are doing over at Extra Credits. Um, we we are doing, where is it going to get to? Oh, we just released our um, our character creators in Cyberpunk episode and how they sort of failed the trans community after making some promises. Okay. Um, we are, are doing another, this is, a, uh, this is an important story, but not what, again, what I would call an uplifting one. Uh, we're doing a, 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 um, the story of basically interstate displacement of minorities in, in America as the interstates were built okay. over on Extra History. Uh, it's an important story that I want more people to realize. I most certainly didn't until we dove into it. Um, and uh, then we're going to be, I think at this point, by the time this comes out, you can also get the beginning of our Teddy Roosevelt The Trust Buster series, huh. which is a fascinating look at a weird president that bullied his way into being good and trying to break up large corporations. (laughs) Um, So please go check out all of those things. Uh, We're working hard to bring you all that sweet, sweet content. Oh, by the way. Yeah. Did you you read Scorsese's article about the I did. I read the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know what? I will say this about it. Check this out. Okay. Hit me. I think Marty Scorsese is a genius beyond his film craft. And here's why. He knows that at this point... All he has to do to trick everyone on the internet into reading a nine-page love letter to Fellini <laughs> is is be like, oh, by the way, at the beginning, like Marvel movies are bad and content's a dumb word. And then drop that and then just go into his love letter to various filmmakers forever and call it a day. Like he does like he's gotta be just trolling now. <laughs> To get people to read these things. <laughs> because that's what it ever, was. I don't think he ever mentioned Marvel movies in this one, did he? He didn't. It was just, this was just a content <laughs> one. I'm just saying, yeah. I think he's realized the cachet that he has and <laughs> how many more people he'll get to read it. If so he starts you mean the pa- he's searching, he's, he's aiming for the clicks? 
He's like aiming for the clicks. Is that what I you're honestly? <laughs> I honestly think. Look, if you're writing a if you're writing a love letter to your favorite filmmakers, wouldn't you want more people to read it? You think Martin Scorsese has like got a second, uh, like a third act career as a I'm saying clickbait journalist for Buzzfeed. There's no reason to link the article that I read to quote unquote not liking content. Like there's it just do, it doesn't fit. So he must be doing it for a reason. I, and I think it's genius. But I but think his it's arg- genius. his argument is that. Uh, the fact that we're phrasing it as content is de- devaluing what cinema is, and we should. But I gotta say, and, and as, what he's saying someone, is we should value cinema. Of course, he says that in the first two paragraphs, <laughs> and then goes on a nine-page diatribe about all of the cinema he loves. Exactly. Now, listen, but that's that's not how you write a paper. Listen, I do two to three video essays with clear theses every fucking week. It is not built correctly if that's your goal. Do you, do you think it, that it, the guy it who is made... built correctly. It is built correctly if you want them sweet, hot, juicy clicks. <laughs> the guy who who made The Wolf of Wall Street just a few years ago, I think knows a thing or two about how to engage with an audience. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> anyway. Um, wait, one last thing I was going to oh, ask you. Oh, shit. Uh, I think you should do a series about movies and games pairing, kind of like food and wine. So if you were to do that, you know, like what would be the ideal uh, meal to go with a certain bottle of wine? What in your mind would be the ideal film to go with Minari? The ideal film? Uh, Sorry, the the ideal ideal game. game. The ideal game. (laughs) Kentucky Route Zero. Good, good. On. Although you do have to, you do have to kind of pay attention to Kentucky Route Zero. Yeah, you're not gonna, well, you're not gonna play Mortal Kombat while you play while you watch Minari. Like I figured, you do one and then you do the other. Like right. you're not gonna do it at the same time. Right. Okay. I feel like this should be a reoccurring segment, uh, just like my previously, which I haven't done in a long time, the Criterion Corner. But this should be oh, shit, games, that? games with movies, and you that should. That was a hundred years. That ago. That was a while ago. Uh, you email should, us in onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com if you remember when she here. <laughs> used to do the fucking criterion corner i'll bring it back baby just you watch um <laughs> but you should do games with movies we got to come up with a with a clever alliteration to make that work sure sure <laughs> games I'll, and good I'll, movies i don't know i'll get right on it yeah <laughs> anyway, thanks everybody next we'll week talk at you next week we have a schedule next week will be nomad land you can watch that right now okay i was gonna say can they see that one they can see that one okay you jackass bye everybody <laughs>